Thank you, Sydney. Man, is that an amazing song? I'm so grateful to be able to utilize the gifts and the skills of the young people of our congregation. Sydney obviously is very special to us. Hand of the Lord on her life and great uh, vocal skills and just a love for Jesus. Uh, what she was singing about this morning obviously is, an inc- is a critical element in the life of any believer. And that is that we're not the same as we used to be. The new birth brings change. And one thing that is so critical is that we get established in our identity in Christ. I am a child of God. We ended our message last Sunday in this new series called Reset using a very familiar New Testament passage of Scripture found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature, another translation says. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Another translation says, the old is gone, the new has come. And so there's a difference, there's a distinction. We're not the same old person with another chance. Although I'm grateful for multiple chances because of the grace of God, but we're not the same person just with another chance. We've got something new operating on the inside of us and it's called the life of God because we are children of God. Welcome this morning. We're thrilled to have you with us. Thank you for taking the time to log in to Uh, any of our various social media platforms in order to be able to see our virtual service here at Victory this Sunday, January the 10th. We want to say that we're excited that next Sunday we'll be actually starting back with live services on January the 17th at 10 a.m. Now, I've got a couple of things that we want to just lay out for you in terms of some details that are critical, and that is we obviously will be checking temps at the door Our teams are still very much uh, operating on skeleton crews because of various people that either have had COVID or they've been exposed to it and are quarantined. And so we just want to remind you the importance our governor in the state of Arkansas has given us some uh, outlines or some some governor's directives in order to worship. And so uh, we obviously will be socially distanced uh, you've, those of you who've been here since the pandemic began, when we resumed services back in July, uh, after a couple of weeks, we actually moved all of the seating into arrangements of twos and threes and fours and fives. I think we have one or two that are six or seven for a couple of our larger families. But all of that will still be in place. The difference is we're not just asking you for, to wear a mask on the way in, but the governor has said that we need to maintain the the mask on us through the service. Now, we're going to be abbreviating the service a little bit. It'll be a total of 45 minutes. And so we'll, we'll keep our same kind of worship format, a little bit of a shortened message. I think it's important for us to begin to take steps to get back into uh, fellowshipping together and praying together, especially in the critical time in our nation. Just so many things that took place this week that we've all observed in shock on television And uh, my heart has just been broken and grieving for the state of the country. And obviously, just for the next few days until we transition into a new administration, my heart is that we see peace and that God would arrest anyone who would captivate and arrest the heart, the spirit of those who would attempt to stir up strife. Um, I'm grateful to be an American. I'm first of all a Christian. The kingdom of God is primary. Secondarily, I'm an American. 
And so I'm grateful to be able to stand before you this morning and worship and to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, not only at Victory Church, but over the whole world. And so this morning, we are excited to be back with you in this series that we've been doing called Reset. I will be bringing these for the whole month of January, and then we'll be sharing a shared series in the month of February with our preaching team. And so this morning, as we look at number two, the second installment in the Reset series, uh, this one is called Growth Requires Change. We all want to grow. This year, I'm sure some of you have made some resolutions, you've set some goals, you have a vision. Hopefully, in order to arrive at that vision, you have some ladder steps that you can accomplish in terms of little bites and eating the whole elephant, so to speak. And in order to be able to accomplish those, things have to change. Our spiritual lives are all about growth, and growth in the spirit denotes change after change after change. In other words, we can't stay the same. There are things that God does in order to mature us, and maturity itself is a progression of changes. The text that I'm using this morning in Number two of Reset, Growth Requires Change, is found in the Gospel of Mark. We did, I believe, about 55 or maybe even 60 or so messages throughout the whole Gospel of Mark several years ago. We called it On Your Mark, and we're talking about the mark of Christ in our lives and the Gospel of Mark. And this text is found in the opening chapter. It was the declaration. It was the announcement that a new era had begun. It was the declaration of the kingdom of God that the Hebrew people had been longing for for millennia, that the Messiah was on the scene. And the scripture says in the Gospel of Mark, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Get it again. The time is fulfilled And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I use a teaching element that we refer to as one thing. It is the summation of what I'm going to bring in whatever the points are. If it's two or three or multiple points, I will give you one or two statements in a one thing concept that basically is reiterated throughout the message. In order to drive this home into your thinking, It's like digging a hole and planting seed in the soil of your soul so that the engrafted word can uh, begin to bring change in our lives because that's what what we're after, okay? And so this morning as we look at this, my one thing is this. Nothing changes if nothing changes. It almost seems a little bit circular, but think about it. Nothing changes if you keep doing the same thing. Nothing changes if nothing changes. It's become cliche in the last 20 years among motivational speakers and among pastors to quote the Einstein familiar quote that's become cliche and that is, if we keep doing the same things expecting different results, then that's insanity. And so obviously, something has to change for things to change. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And because 
growth in the spirit of God, growth in any area, growth in your finances in 2021, growth in your relationships, in your family, in your parenting, in your business, in your dreams, in your goals, in your physical area that you want to be able to drop a few pounds or add some muscle or, or prepare for a particular event or something like that, then we need to recognize that nothing changes if nothing changes. If you would bow your hearts with me, please, for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we ask you in the name of Jesus that you would open our hearts and penetrate with your gospel. Lord, that you would help us to realize the importance of looking to you and leaning into you. Lord, especially right now as Christians in this nation, in this season that we're in, we pray, oh God, for a peaceful transition from one administration to the other. God, we pray for the unrest that is taking place in our nation among various segments and different groups. Lord, people that have just bought into uh, all kinds of conspiracy theories and lies and all of these things that have been propagated, Father, many times on both sides. Lord, help us, Father, to be able to just cut through that and to find truth and what is reality. Help us in the name of Jesus to remember that you demonstrate for us what the way and the truth and the life is. We ask you that you would move by your spirit and that you would speak to the needs of every individual person that is hearing this, that you will tailor make and custom design a message, Lord, that will be like a hot coal off of the altar into the life of every person hearing this. We trust that you do that. We know that Apart from you, Lord, I can do nothing, and I desperately need you right now, and I ask you to move through the words that I speak and the, the thoughts that I think. In the name of Jesus, I pray, and all of God's people said, amen. Nothing changes if nothing changes. I want to look back at the text for just a moment. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Think about this. For millennia, prophets had prophesied, poets had sung, and they'd written psalms about the coming Messiah. There had been various demonstrations of the power in the hand of God that gave us signs and symbols of the one that was to come. And all of that longing, all of that yearning for, all of that, the seed is coming, the seed is coming, Yeshua HaMashiach, this, this divine one, this anointed one, this Messiah, now is on the scene the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we literally mean the government of God. It's not just something in the future that only relates to national Israel. And I don't believe it is necessarily literally a 1,000-year reign. I believe it's a stretch across time. For First of all, Psalm 145 says his kingdom is from everlasting to everlasting. So it's, it's from a, an endless no beginning of time, God's rule and authority has always been there, up to this point where Jesus comes and an inauguration announcement comes, and then it's from everlasting to everlasting. It goes endless in time the other direction. So the kingdom of God is not just for the future for another people, but it is now and it is for every believer. The kingdom of God is a present reality. And the scripture says the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the government of God, the reign of God, it's at hand. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And I believe there are two things in those two words that are critical. 
at hand is a, a, is a, is a, a, a common way of saying in terms of a time frame that it is immediate. But also at hand in terms of proximity means that it's within your grasp, it's within your reach. The kingdom of God is now available in terms of time, but it's also within your grasp, within your reach in terms of space and proximity because the kingdom of God is a person. Jesus was standing there in their midst. He is the kingdom of God. He is the rule, the government of God, the reign of God. And the first thing that he says in this two-part announcement was, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And this word repent is the word that I really want to center on. It's the meat of the message I want to bring to you today because I believe this word has been hijacked among some circles. Repentance is a four-letter word among some people. I grew up and had a Pentecostal background, a classical Pentecostal background, and it was associated, repentance was the idea of going to the altar and having a, an, a, an outrageous emotional experience, almost hysterical, of crying and sorrow and shame for sin. And though, let me just say this, I do not want to minimize that at all. I think that people can have a repentance or an experience of, uh, of change that does involve that. But for us to insist that every person who comes to God has to have that kind of an experience, then we're adding to. We're not helping folk because we end up uh, really basically setting a requirement on them that the scripture and even Jesus himself didn't set upon us. The word repent does not just deal with turning from sin, but on a broader sense, it just means change, okay? And obviously, if I'm going to change and believe the gospel, it means that I'm going to deal with sin, all right? So repent and believe the gospel. Now, I want to look this morning. Remember, nothing changes if nothing changes because growth requires change. My first point this morning is that spiritual life is dynamic. It's not static. Think about this. Some, some of your clothes, when they come out of the dryer, we refer to them sticking together as having static cling. And when you pull them apart, it's almost like an electrical charge. You hear it pop. But something was holding them together. It was a covalent bond. It was an electrical connection. And when, when we think of something that's static, it's not moving. It's stuck. But spiritual life is not static. It's dynamic. It is change after change after change. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that we ought to be getting stronger as we grow in Christ. If you've been a Christian for 20 years and nothing has ever changed, then I would really challenge you to make your calling and election sure, as the apostle Peter said. Because real spiritual growth means that we're maturing, we're growing, we're changing, we're not the same. Now, you may have seasons where nothing looks different, but you can't look back over 20 years and say nothing has changed and really be walking with God. You may have had an experience, but to really continue walking with God and have the Holy Spirit working in your life, he is going to be working on you. He's going to be changing you. The Bible says in Psalm 84, every one of them in Zion appears before God. They go from strength to strength. So they're getting stronger. All right? 
The Bible says in Romans 1.17, herein is the faith of God revealed from faith to faith. If we keep walking with God, my faith grows. I, it gets stronger. I'm able to take on challenges in the same way that when I'm in the gym and I'm pressing weight against me, the, that resistance is what gives me the strength and my strength begins to grow. I get stronger and, and I become more healthy because my body is functioning the way it's supposed to and some fat gets burned and some muscle gets added and metabolic processes are working on a more streamlined scale. So I should be getting stronger. My face should be growing more and more. John said it this way in his gospel. He said, herein we, we have been given grace. Of his fullness have we all received and grace upon grace. So I need to be growing in the awareness of God's unmerited favor, his operational power in my life. Grace upon grace. 2 Corinthians 3.18 carries this same idea that spiritual life is dynamic, it's not static. I grow from strength to strength. I grow from faith to faith. I grow from grace to grace. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We all with an open face behold as in a glass. That's the picture of the word of God being a mirror. And we behold the glory of the Lord and we're changed into the same image by the Spirit from glory to glory. So I, I, I should be walking in a greater degree of the glory of God in my life more than I was 20 years ago. And if I'm not, then I need to question my walk with God. Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the just is as the shining light that shines more and more into the perfect day. It's, it's a challenging time. There, there is an encroaching discouragement that would wrap itself around the people of the body of Christ. But I'm telling you, if you keep your eyes on Jesus and you walk with God, it's not getting darker and darker. It should be getting brighter and brighter. And this is the moment when the church can shine. If she has not been captivated by a political party spirit of left or right or conservative or liberal... And trying to tell everybody that if you don't vote that party line, whichever particular one you subscribe to, then you're not a real Christian. That's hogwash. The church needs to stand in a place of, of neutrality, in a place of influence and authority to speak prophetically to both sides. That's where we're supposed to be. That's the voice that we've lost. The church in America in the 21st century is pathetic and not prophetic any longer. It's because too many have sat in pews by preachers that have told them that because we're this color, you better vote this way. Or because we are this particular socioeconomic status, you better vote this way. If you're really a Christian, you'll vote Republican. If you're really a Christian, you'll vote Democrat. That spirit has gotten us into the mess we're in that's produced what we saw this week in Washington, D.C. God forgive us of that party spirit. We want to grow. We want to grow beyond that stupid mentality. Spiritual life is dynamic. It's not static. And what I'm saying to you this morning, that very idea we need to repent of. Repentance is not just going to an altar one time in your life and using half a box of Kleenex and having a hysterical emotional fit Sure, there are times that I cry. There are times that I intercede and cry out before the Lord. But there are times when I don't have a tear on my face and I know that God has moved in my life and repentance has taken place. Too often, because of my classical Pentecostal background that had a lot of perfectionism in it, 
the idea was you come to the altar and you repent one time, you get saved, and your salvation actually is a fruit of your repentance. And, and let me just say this to you. I believe repentance is an ongoing process. I have to continually change my direction and change my thinking. In order to ex explain this, I want to get into the word a little bit. Look at the word repent. This is my second point. Repent literally is the Greek word metanoia. Meta, the prefix in the Greek means change. Noia is the Greek word which means mind. And so when we, when, we, when we hear the word metanoia, it literally means change of mind, okay? Now, the literal understanding of the word repent in the Bible is to turn from, to turn from sin, to turn to God. As a matter of fact, you see both the positive and the negative in that declaration about the kingdom in Mark 1.15. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent, turn from your sin, and believe, have faith towards God, okay? So I want you to see that repentance is not only turning away from something, but it's turning towards something. Repentance is turning away from sin and turning toward God. And I believe the focus is not so much on what you've got to turn away from, because if you turn toward God, you've automatically turned from whatever's holding you from God. You get that? Okay, now, the basis of this, I believe so many times in our walk in the kingdom of God is not always about sin. God wants to change our mindset. He wants to change our understanding, change our mentality about the way we understand the things of the kingdom of God. Get this, metanoia means change your mind. Very basically, it means change your thinking, I have to understand that in order for God to do a work in me, I can't keep thinking the same way I've always thought. I can't live like an unsaved person and, and have the identity that I'm a child of God. I can't live like a single man and then enjoy the benefits of marriage. I am either one or I am the other. And I want you to recognize that when we come to Christ, that we are not dead and alive at the same time. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but we've been made alive in Christ. By grace you have been saved. Ephesians 2, 4, 8, and 9 say it twice. So see this this morning. God wants us to change our thinking. And I believe Jesus was specifically saying, look, everything you thought the kingdom was going to be, you're going to have to change your mind about it. It's not just for a future thing anymore, but it's right here standing in front of you. It is, it's within your grasp. It's here immediate in your future. It is here within your grasp. You can reach out and touch it. It is available to you. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Change your mind about what you thought was going to be one of these days and recognize it's here right now. So you're going to have to see it with a new perspective. You're, in order to grow, you're going to have to change your mind because growth requires change. And remember, nothing changes if nothing changes. Repent and believe the gospel. Yes, repentance is about turning away from sin, but it's bigger than that. It's more than that. It's not just about changing uh, your, your idea about sin and, and wrong addictive patterns of behavior, but it's changing your understanding of the goodness of God. The song Sydney sang this morning is such an amazing understanding that I don't have to be afraid anymore. I've no longer been given the spirit of bondage again to, to fear, but I've been given the spirit of adoption. I say, Abba, Father, 
I'm his child. He is my father. I am a child of God. My identity has to change. My understanding of who I am has to change. In order to grow, I begin to see myself in a new light. This happens in a natural child. Once he grows up or she grows up in a home of love and acceptance and grows up recognizing that the blessing of God is on his or her life, that she is or he is a smith as I taught my children. This is who you are. This is your heritage. These were your grandparents, your great-grandparents. This is, this is the stuff of which you're made. This is your identity. Now, I want you to recognize this. Repentance, very, very simply, is the idea of U-turn. Just like when you're on the road and you're going the wrong direction. The gospel comes in collision to our thinking and we recognize we can't keep going the same direction. We have to turn around. And usually there are places in the road where a U-turn is allowed. Repentance is U-turn. But think about this. Before I actually take the action and steer my car to turn, I have to have the thought. And the thought prods me to look for the right opportunity in order to do the U-turn. Because you can't just do that anywhere on the highway or in, in an intersection. But don't miss the point here. The thought precedes the action. I have to change my thinking knowing that I've got to go a different direction before I ever change my direction. And that comes with an action, okay? My third point is this. Behavior follows belief. Behavior follows belief. Nothing changes if nothing changes, okay? So if I'm going to begin to see the favor and the blessing of God happen in my life, then I must recognize that I've got to change the way I think, which ultimately is going to change the way I live. We can't raise our kids the way everybody else does in the world and expect the blessing of God to be upon their lives. We have to build into them, inculcate into them. We have to teach and train them up in the way that they should go. The scripture says when that child who's had that is old, that he will not depart from it. Book of Proverbs. Look at this. Behavior follows belief. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and I'm, I'm coming to the end of my message, so hang with me. Spiritual life is dynamic. We have to learn how to repent, change our mind, change our thinking. Number three, behavior follows belief. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Because it, it's not mine, I belong to him. He bought it with the price of his blood. Look at verse two. I love this. Don't copy the what? Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform. This Greek word is metamorpho. You remember this from 10th grade biology. Metamorphosis is the transformation of the caterpillar into the butterfly. Yes, I was once a worm, but now I'm a new creation. I'm a butterfly, okay? Now, all my brothers, I know that's not real manly sounding, but you, you get the illustration here. Because so many people who are sin conscious always want to drive that thing home of I'm a worm and no man. 
Yes, that's what I was, but now I'm something new. The old is gone, the new has come. I've got to change my thinking about who I am. I am a new creation in Christ. And because I've been joined to him, I get a fresh start. I get a new beginning. Look at this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you. Metamorpho, meta change, morpho form. Okay, change the form. It says, let him transform you into a new person. Look at this. By changing the way you think. I love that. King James says it this way. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, in the NLT says it this way. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Proverbs 23 is it seven? I didn't have this in my notes. It says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So God wants to change the way I think. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Oh, I love that. When I submit my life to the word of God and recognize that God formed me for a purpose. Sin deformed me, marred the image of God in me. Still, God sees something amazing in you, even in sin. Something that is worth his son dying for. God formed me. God, he gave me purpose. God formed you. Sin deformed us. The Bible is written to inform us about the things we're talking about, to change our thinking, to change our minds. Jesus comes by the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us, metamorpho, from a worm to a butterfly. Transform us, metamorphosis. That's something we can't do ourselves. Literally, there's a death and a resurrection. The worm, the caterpillar spins a cocoon and dies. And out of that cocoon, something entirely new struggles to come forth and it's a whole new different kind of creation. It's amazing. And interestingly enough, it's because of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have newness of life in us. And we have to renew our thinking around the gospel. Repent, change your old way of thinking and believe this good news that Jesus is right now the king. <coughs> Hear the word of the Lord this morning. God wants to do something very powerful in your life in 2021, but nothing changes if nothing changes. I shared this last year in 2020 in January before we ever had an inkling of a pandemic that would change everything that we do about our lives. I talked about habits. I had read, I believe it's James Clear, Atomic Habits, a number of different books that I brought through that series in the beginning of the year because so many people start the year and want to bring change, want to make change, get their finances in order, get out of debt, get, get their houses decluttered, get their physic, physical fitness under control, get a relationship on a different path and improving. And I shared about how after Dawn died and I got up off the couch and said, I've got to move out of this low-grade sadness that I'm operating in. And I began to just make my bed. And I, a couple of years after that, read a book by a, a Navy admiral. 
who wrote the book, Make Your Bed. And it was 10 things, small habits that can greatly affect your lives. And I shared that last year as I began the series in January. And it was, I shared how that personally had happened in my life. Then when I read the book, I said, yes, this is exactly what happened. It began as one little tiny small change that started to affect everything else in my life. Kind of like the pebble that's dropped into the pond and the concentric circles just have an ever-increasing larger reach until it finally it touches the whole pond. One pebble eventually has a ripple effect that touches the, the whole lake. And so what I want you to see is that if you will think big about what you want to accomplish for God in 2021, but start small. Don't try to bite off more than you can chew, but make your bed. Well, maybe you already make your bed, but what is there one small, tiny, atomic habit that you can begin to do, begin to change your thinking about something in your life, some area of your life, and begin to put that in God's hands to trust him to help you do for a week, two weeks, three weeks, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days to develop a new habit, a new behavior, a new way of thinking. And I promise you when you do that this year that it will, like that pebble that has those ever-increasing circles, start to affect every area in your life. Now, the only way that we can do that as believers is that we begin from the center. Scripture says that we are spirit, soul, and body, and I'm going to pick up on that next week. I'm very excited about next week's message because it's, it will really pull so many of these things together for us as we are back in here in our live service again on the 17th. But we must begin in the center Sydney sang the song last Sunday during the message or during the worship, Jesus be the center of my life. And folk, when we begin from that place of centeredness and we say, Jesus, sit on the throne of my heart, be, be in the center of this, begin to order my thoughts and my, my, my direction that I'm going. Scripture says the steps of a good man are ordered to the Lord. Begin to give that to God to let him do that and then begin from that place of centeredness with the Lord being the Lord of your life. Then it's from that place that God is not limited. He can do anything. All things are possible if you'll just believe in him. This year, God wants to take you from strength to strength, from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from grace to grace. But we're gonna have to change our thinking. We're gonna have to repent. We're gonna have to turn. You turn away from something and turn towards something. Turn away from an old pattern of thinking, an old mindset. Turn towards something new that God is doing, that he will reveal in his word, that he will show you. I believe great things are ahead for us at Victory. I believe great things are ahead in terms of God bringing revival to this nation again. That's my prayer. That's my cry. If we've ever needed it before, we need it desperately right now. And This morning, if there's anything in this message that has resonated with you, that you can relate to, that you would say, Pastor, I really sense the Spirit of God speaking to me and moving in this in my life. I would just ask you for to take a moment with me right now and let's pray together. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and just begin to do a work of, of, of change in our lives. Let's bow our hearts together. Heavenly Father, we thank you as we've gathered in this place, Lord, with our laptops, with our tablets, over our phones, our TVs, Lord, for this virtual service. We look forward to next Sunday to being back together in a live format. I pray, oh God, that you take the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, and let them penetrate today 
Plant them like seeds in the soil of the souls of your people. Thank you that nothing is impossible if we only believe. We ask you in the name of Jesus that you would take these words today, O God, and let them be like a hot coal off the altar and challenge me, O God. Remind me this week, Father, when I can easily step back into an old pattern. Show me once again who I am as a child of God in Christ. Help me not to forget or lose, Lord, the memory of my identity. God, give us healing from spiritual amnesia. Lord, that we can recall and remember who we are. I thank you for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that as we this morning turn from something, whatever you put on the heart of everyone that's listening to, Lord, that we would turn from that sinful pattern, that we would turn from that way of thinking, that we would change our minds and change our thinking and change our behavior. And Lord, we would turn to you and repent and believe, look to you and put our trust in you. We just say, Jesus, save us. Save me. Be Lord of my life. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Guide me and guard me, I pray in Jesus' name. If you prayed that this morning, I trust that God is doing a powerful work in your life. Reach out to us. We would love to pray with you. If you don't have a church, we'd love to have you come visit us at Victory 10 o'clock next Sunday morning on the 17th. We won't have any children's ministry going to ask you to wear a mask through the service. It'll be an abbreviated service. We're going to worship God together. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for our nation. We're going to look at the, the third installment in this Reset series, and I would love to see you. Everybody be blessed. With God, all things are possible. Know that as you go today. Amen.